Fantasy NBA Hybrid Podcast brought to you by Jalen Mitzi, Kyle Stein, and me, Michael Kimball. Today, we are here with our good friend, friend of the pod, super basketball fan, David Smook. He's going to be joining us to get into some of the trade talks in a little bit. Um, just to give you a recap, we are right now in week five in the West. It's LA and LA as it always is, and nobody really cares about the other teams there. In the East, it's the Celtics, Bucks, and 76ers with the Knicks surprisingly sitting at the sixth seed. And here come your Brooklyn Nets, which were involved in a little trade last week. We're going to get into that in a bit. Um, one of the pieces going out in those Knicks or the Nets trades rather was Karis Levert. Um, it was ultimately a trade between Houston and Indiana that was completed separately. Karis Levert for Victor Oladipo. Indiana didn't think they could re-sign Oladipo. Uh, Levert was a casualty of a different trade. Um, one of the very uh, odd things that came out of it though, it was discovered that Levert had a mass uh, on an organ and had to have, or is going to, I don't know if he's had the operation or not, um, but that was going to be removed um, to complete the deal. Apparently there was a second round pick thrown in and also $2.6 million thrown in, uh, but an interesting trade, Oladipo going to the Rockets, Levert to the Pacers. What do you guys think of that one? Um, I mean, I'm going to tee this up for Smook here because the first <laughs> thought I have is uh, Oladipo is an expiring contract. Uh, his contract will expire. So the Rockets, um, it is it is a sound bit of business. Like it is sound to yeah. give the, to have the optionality to either retain him uh, uh, and sign him or to, you know, just let the contract expire and not retain him. And you have cleaner books. You have more cap space. Um, but, uh, given who the owner of the team is, one wonders if, uh, tax savings and money savings is the real benefit of choosing Oladipo over Karis Levert. Um, I think it's pretty hard. I mean, obviously these people get paid to make these decisions, but it's hard to kind of decide which player is better. And certainly if they wanted cost control, uh, and team control, they would have chose Levert. So clearly that's not what they favored. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that is something that, that, that tells us, I think a lot, it tells us yeah. that, uh, Indiana knew that they weren't going to keep Oladipo. He wanted out. There are all yep. the reports about him telling other teams, come get me, come get me. <laughs> um, so clearly they knew that they, they yeah, were, somebody they, came and got him. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't reject the trade, you know, once it, once they found out the situation with Karis Levert, which is as is was mentioned on another pod was somewhat humane, right. but I think it just tells us how much they knew they were not going to keep Victor Oladipo. So the, the keeping Karis Levert with a serious health issue, which looks to be fixable, curable, you know, no long-term effects. Um, hopefully. Yeah. And most importantly, like good health to him. That's yeah, I, yeah a, absolutely. But it, it's very telling that the Pacers were more than willing to take on that risk i don't know if we want to what we want to call it uh but um to take that on and let oladipa go in that context uh D david do you want to um throw some other shade on this yeah well before before i start talking about the rocket side of this i just want to say that you know i mean like we really have to think about the human side and Levert yeah. said that the trade saved his life i mean yeah. that's an actual quote you know and like he might not have known 
he, there's no way he would have known. Like you don't yeah. just normally get ultrasounds on your kidneys. Yeah. It would have <laughs> right. been another, it would have been another year before he had a physical, I believe uh, was that came, that came out. So right. yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a weird, you know, a weird um, uh, life-saving thing, a weird positive uh, of the trade, but yeah. certainly happy for him. Yeah. And the other, the other really human side of this is before Oladipo just brutally, um, you know, his, his, muscle tore off the, his leg yeah. like before that he was clearly going to be a max player right um, and you know and so that now he's his main value to the rocket seems to be as an expiring contract is it's it's sad for him you know so and i yeah. think we need to think about the human side of this first yeah then we can start talking about the rockets and it's a it's often, people often say that the greatest advantage in sports is ownership. And good ownership is the, is the one thing that you just can't replace. And I am shocked. I've listened to probably seven po different podcasts talk about the Harden trade. I've read probably 10 articles and no one is talking about Fertitta and his role in all this. And it's honestly, I'm disgusted by this guy. He comes in, he buys the rockets, he lies to everyone. He says, oh, I'll pay the luxury tax. And then year after year, all this maneuvering happens to get them under the luxury tax and they destroyed a team. And the rockets were the one team that was all in to go against the, the, the warriors when they were one of the greatest teams of all time. They got close, they gave them a really good run for their money. And then these cost saving moves made them not competitive. And so everyone focuses on Harden saying, oh, I can't play with Dwight Howard. Oh, I can't play with Chris Paul. And now I can't play with Russell Westbrook. But the real sin was all these moves on the margin that took away the Rockets' flexibility that made the team not competitive. And no wonder why Harden wanted out. There was no way looking to the future that the Rockets could ever be competitive again with that owner. And that's just the basketball side. Right. He's also a supposedly a horrible business, a horrible, a business owner who treats his employees horribly. Um, anyone who like his restaurants are notoriously bad in terms of um, uh, health and safety and the way they treat their employees. And he's a major Trump supporter and most NBA players are wow. very much against Trump. So you put all these things together and no wonder why everyone on the team cannot wait to get the fuck out of there. Sorry, right. cannot wait to get the heck out of there. Right. Yeah, yeah I'm, go ahead, Kyle. I was, I mean, I was gonna say, and you know, the, and immediately after the trade happens, you have uh, Kevin O'Connor for the ringer, um, writing that Oladipo still plans on trying to go to the heat. And, you know, of course he's an unrestricted free agent coming after this and he's going to have the final say wherever he goes. And given Tillman Fertitta's, you know, role with the, the Rockets and the direction that team is heading, I think you have to assume that if the heat will have him, um, he's going to be signing there this coming summer. And so, and then you really wonder what they did get out of this hardened trade, especially when Oladipo comes in his first game, he puts up very hardened like yeah. numbers. I mean, he puts up 32, um, 
points in 32 minutes um, with nine assists, five rebounds, and two steals, uh, shooting 44.4% uh, from three and 56.5% from the field. I mean, those are outstanding. That's exactly the kind of thing that you would want back, you know, trading out um, Harden. But if you're actually going to get no one, what did what what did the trade really result in? Well, I think yeah. it's a hedge bet. I think they're hedging on the idea that Brooklyn in five years is not going to be any good and they're and they'll be able to, you know, they got flexibility for the future. Because they also well, I mean like at that point Russell they could have a different Westbrook, owner. Russell Westbrook has now been <laughs> traded two years in a row. Each time he was the person who was more highly valued in the trade, and each time he's been outplayed by the person he was traded for. And so they had they lost all those picks in the Westbrook trade. And so it's getting back. It's get, digging themselves out of a hole is, I think, the main goal of this. Right, right. And, and yeah, I, hear so you, I think I also... Go ahead, Jalen. I was just going to say, I also want to say that um, the... The Westbrook trade was also a Tillman Fertitta thing. Tillman Fertitta comes into the t- comes into the team thinking that he's you know he's a super successful businessman and somehow that will translate to basketball and basketball salary and the NBA salary cap. And he said he looked at Chris Paul's contract as the worst contract he'd ever seen. Um, right. <laughs> well, I'm not sure what he'd think of Russell Westbrook's contract then because it's certainly worse. So he traded uh, Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook and then all of a sudden they had to trade Russell Westbrook. So they gave up a ton of picks and. I think their goal in this trade was to get some of those picks back um, with with Brooklyn. So they, they did that to a certain degree. Um, but then they immediately had to trade Russell Westbrook. So, I mean, and to say nothing of the fa- his role in making sure that Dan Tony um, and Maury uh, were, are no longer in town. He was integral to that. He totally messed up the Dan Tony contract situation. PJ Tucker is currently unhappy because he's been underpaid, which, you know, he sacrificed the money to keep the team together, uh, to keep them probably under the, 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 the cap and under the tax. Um, and now he wants to get paid. He's older, but he's like, Hey, you guys got all the value on the front end. Now I want the payback on the back end. And I don't suspect that Tillman Fertitta is going to be the one to pay that. So he's not long for town. I would suspect either. So, I mean, Tillman Fertitta is, is integral in all of this, in all of these bad decisions and all of these short-sighted moves and all of these guys wanting out of town. The situation with D'Antoni was incredible. I mean, D'Antoni, all he wanted was a contract extension. And, (laughs) And he ends up having to, like, feeling so bad that he quits while on the team flight after they get kicked out, after they lose in the playoffs. So you can inform the team, all the members of the team, before he has to tell Fertitta. Right. Yeah. And I just want to get back to like the actual, you know, principles of the trade. I do well, think like, before we do that, before we do that, I just have one question for you guys. Why do you think it is that no one in the national media is taking on Fertitta in this in this and no one's giving him the blame. Do you think people are afraid that they won't have access anymore? Um, I I don't know. I feel like I've seen people say it or say it sort of, or allude to it, maybe not say it as forcefully as we're saying it right now, but I've certainly seen people allude to the fact that one clear benefit of this is that they might save some money. Yeah, I've seen those sorts of references in some articles. They're often toward the end of the article is almost sort of a, oh, yeah, what what about this element? And I've seen some of that talk on Twitter. That's the place where I've seen it most called out is NBA Twitter. You get a little bit of that there. But, yeah, David, I think you're right. You know, it ultimately goes back to – 
access, money, national media, some of these sorts of things. I think it's with the Rockets, it's a little complicated given um, uh, what Morey did, uh, the, the Daryl Morey tra- uh, tweets uh, at the beginning of the season concerning China and how that went over, the Rockets' role in that, um, how angry Fertitta was with him for that and the lost money for the Rockets, even just their, you know, apparel and all of that stuff like they they lost a lot of money in that um but i think all of that's involved and i don't think any of it's good i think you know in the in the way there are bad owners in the wnba that we know about uh there are in the nba and there's been a history of that i would love to see the nba you know truly embrace the sorts of social change they're talking about. And this could be a way to help do that is move owners like that out of the league. But yeah, what do you think it is? I would say Henry Abbott is the man for digging up all the dirt on the NBA's owners. Uh, he's written about this in the past. Um, I think he wrote about Prokhorov. Um, I think he's written about Joe Tsai. Um, so he's he's definitely the one to sort of take on this sort of billionaire class of owners in in the NBA. Is he the one who did the who went through all the owners' political donations? No, I think someone. I think someone else did that. I think he did more sort of discovery about like Prokhorov's um, ties in Russia and where where that money came from. So um, I'm going to take us back to the trades. Uh, So there's your hard, terrible transition. Um, Besides the Oladipo Levert trade uh, last week, there was another big trade. I'm calling it the Jarrett Allen trade because he's my guy. I can't believe Brooklyn did it like this. Uh, Apparently they were trying to shop around a fourth. Um, We're trying to get a fourth number one pick so that they could send it out in the trade and retain Allen. Um, All they were offering for that was poor Landry Shamit and nobody bit. So that's why uh, Jarrett Allen was ultimately traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. It hurts my fantasy team, which I don't like. Um, But um, more than that, uh, you know, Jared Allen was playing great basketball for the Nets. Uh, it, it's kind of crazy to let him go. I understand why they did that. Apparently, the Nets got a good player back in this trade. Um, before we get to that piece, so um, it was Jared Allen, uh, Torian Prince, and Alexander Vezikov to the Cavs. Um, then the Rockets. Um, ultimately ended up with Oladipo four firsts and four number one pick swaps. And what am I missing here? Guardians Kirks. Right. Well, how could I forget him? But I will. And then um, uh, as, as, as we all know, uh, going to the Nets, James Harden, where do you guys fall on all of this? I remember when you discovered Jared Allen, (laughs) <laughs> two years ago you picked him up off the waiver wire and you texted me you're like this guy he's amazing and I and I watched him and it's just he's such a beautiful player to watch he's... the exuberance he plays with I I just love it when he dunks I reflexively just smile I think I might have said that on a different pod but like I can't help it like that's just my my involuntary response to watching Jared Allen play basketball 
And he's one of the smartest players in the league. He just seems like such a beautiful soul. And he just keeps getting done poorly by. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's. I, I just hope the Cavs move on from Andre Drummond and he's the center of the future. Him with Sexland. Yeah, they're, well, they're both, they're both, um, uh, Drummond and Allen are both up for uh, new contracts, slightly different situations, obviously, later in their career, earlier in their career. Allen seems to be their center of the future for them. It seems to be what they want. I'm, they're hedging that a little by keeping uh, Drummond there. But I can imagine a situation in which they sign Allen to a very nice contract coming out of this, um, that there are some assurances that's going to happen before the trade deadline. Drummond gets traded out. Uh, Cleveland may move some other pieces too. Uh, it's a pretty incredible core. Sexland, Okoro, if you've been watching him, heck of a fun player, does not stop moving, an unbelievable motor on that guy. Uh, and then Allen at the five, who cares at the four at, the, at this point? Keep keep Larry Nance Jr. for not gonna be Porter. sake. Um, definitely not going to be a Porter. We should talk about that too. I have takes on that. Um, but the Cavaliers' future, I never thought I'd be rooting for the Cavaliers, but the Cavaliers' future looks sort of bright right now. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of hopeful for them. Um, what do you think? Uh, so how do the Rockets look coming out of this? Um, with Oladipo, now John Wall, they've got the Crucifix at the five. Not a terrible looking lineup. Probably not going to go far, far in the West. Um, so I think... I think Kyle and I are in agreement on this. Uh, Kyle, we've been, we've sort of been anticipating this James Harden trade for a while. Um, and Kyle has been saying he didn't want to see Ben Simmons moved in such a deal. Right. Um, and I was, I was in agreement there. Um, and, and so I think the Rockets came out pretty well, all things considered getting all the picks that they did. Um, given that their goals seem to be saving money. Obviously they have that optionality. Right. Um, they already have Christian Wood. They did pretty, pretty good job in the John Wall, Russell Westbrook trade. John Wall certainly looks like the better player, the healthier player. And I believe they got a pick in that deal as well. So um, I think they came out pretty well. Um, yeah. And I think uh, interestingly enough, the trade works pretty well for all the players in the deal as well. Obviously they have Victor Oladipo now who gets his chance to shine, who gets his chance to get his opportunities and shoot a lot and make a case for getting big money in the off season. Karis Levert hopefully ends the sort of situation where we come into every season thinking he's going to be traded or he's going to be the, the piece to be moved to upgrade the team. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's cost controlled. I'm sure they'll love him in Indiana. Um, and James Harden gets to play with Kyrie and KD, you know, team up with KD, who they have a great history with, except for Jared Allen. I feel like Jared Allen is the one who, <laughs> yeah. you know, didn't really work out for because if Jared Allen is on this team and he plays well in the playoffs, he's getting a much higher salary the next year than he's going to get, you know, presumably if the Cavs don't even make the playoffs and right. he's sharing time with all these other bigs and potentially not looking as good as he would otherwise. So uh, I feel bad for Jared Allen in that sense, but he, as you said, he seems like he's taking everything in stride. He seems to be in good spirits and hopefully the Cavs do right by him. And I think where I said, Kyle and I were in unison, I think we thought the Nets gave up too much in both picks and giving up Jared Allen. 
you know, I'm not a cap expert, but I simply don't understand how you give up Jared Allen and also don't get PJ Tucker back. Like you got to do one of those two. I feel like um, you're giving away essentially your best defender and you're not getting anything back from the Rockets who we know almost certainly are going to move PJ Tucker. So yeah, I, I, that didn't make sense to me. What'd you think, Kyle? I mean, it's seven first round picks. And yeah, it's, the Nets from now until their first round pick until they took it out. Yeah, twenty twenty eight. Right. Yeah. So it's it's um alternating years, uh four years of first round picks and three years of pick swaps. And right. it's absurd. I'm really glad that the I mean, the news coming out afterward was that Fertita nixed the trade with the the Sixers that would have brought back Ben Simmons because he didn't want to like give James Harden to, um, to Daryl Morey. Right. Uh, I mean, I tend well, to Maxi was the sticking point there. Apparently. I mean, the I Rockets were asking yeah. for Maxi and, and that's where Philadelphia drew the line kind of. A yeah. I mean, I think that what was happening but... was that, that the, the, the Rockets were probably just, you know, piling on and piling on yeah, and no Morey had a breaking point and, you know, I think it would have been a bad trade if they had gone anywhere near that number of picks. Um, Harden's 31 years old and he might win you a championship. And that's, you know, as, as, as they said about the Lakers this year and the, they is Zach Lowe and Brian Windhurst and, you know, these folks, and I, maybe even the dunk down guys said the same thing, but everyone, uh, you know, has the adage that if you win a championship, then, you know, whatever it is, all is forgiven or, you know, then there is no second guessing or however any of them are, are going to say it. Right. But um, I'm not entirely sure that that's the case. I mean, because, yeah, the Lakers gave up picks to, you'll have to like get the exact details to me, but I, I don't think that they went, you know, beyond 2024 even, was it? Or is it, is there one in 2025? In any case, there, was, more players too. there wasn't nearly this, the same kind of, um, you know, just emptying of future assets that you have with the Nets. And I think a lot of people are looking at this and thinking, you know, oh, when uh, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce um, get traded to the Nets, um, in whatever that was 2013 um that the the nets recovered so quickly uh that was a incredible anomaly uh you know they 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 had some savvy moves they had some lucky picks like spencer dinwiddie just like panning out like you just don't have that happen definitely not a pick of theirs he I meant that they picked him up from in free agency from from I don't, did they get him in a trade or was it in free agency from the Bulls because he got drafted by the Pistons I remember yeah, and then he spent he spent time with so many teams before he ended up with the Nets yeah with the Bulls yeah but the point is like they they you know they they caught lightning in a bottle with players like you know Dinwiddie and bringing in an undervalued um yeah, um, D'Angelo Russell and and Joe yeah. Harris, and like the thought that they're going to do this again in like 2025 or somewhere around there when you know yeah. Harden is is now like what 2025 he'll be 36, um, KD will be 37, um, and they're going to really need to do that. I just think it's unlikely, and I don't even know even if they win one championship if that will have been worth it. 
Oh, if you win a championship, I think it is worth it. You know, I mean, the the Nets. To not, the Nets have I mean, never you could potentially NBA. not contend again until twenty thirty. Right, but but so, <laughs> like, how many team? How many different NBA teams have won championships? Is it ten? Not many. Yeah, it's a you know, and and number. so so to to get into that club is worth it. It was worth it for Toronto. I mean, even though they didn't give up nearly as much, but I mean, but it's you, you can never. I mean, I, I'm with all those people who say you can never take that away. That said, if they kept Allen, I think I would feel really good about their chances to win the championship. But without him, who's playing defense? Nobody at the five. I mean, yeah, everybody just runs by DeAndre Jordan. And yeah, <laughs> there is it. And, and I don't know. I don't think um, their backup, whose name I'm blanking on right now, uh, Claxton, like he's still hurt. I don't know how much they're counting on him there. I assume there's going to be a veteran big um, going to the. Next. I think it's going to be Javale. That's my. That's my guess right now. Yeah, I think Javale yeah, is going to get that. bought out. He has. He has a connection with KD from Golden State, and I think that. That's my prediction at this moment. And and the the other thing with the Nets at the five, never forget the genius that is old Jeff Green. He's he's not any older than the rest of these guys, but he seems like it. The guy always gets it done. Like he <laughs> always makes the right play. He all the, the from a fantasy perspective, when he gets minutes, it's there. Like he just completely flies under the radar here. But I think he's actually a worthwhile piece on that team. And remember when he was a small forward, power forward for the that Thunder team, and yeah. now he's playing Michael, center. This, uh, Michael, this take alone qualifies you to work in the front office uh, in the <laughs> NBA because this is what every NBA exec or group of execs has been saying to themselves uh, when they add Jeff Green to their team, only to be disappointed <laughs> and ship him away the next year or not retain him. I mean, I think he played well in the game last night it's minutes he plays well though no I mean I think it's probably more so the case in fantasy I think the problem is just he hasn't been a guy who could knock down threes which is what they wanted him to do but he he did find I think he did find a groove in Houston doing that playing the small ball five knocking down threes giving them a little bit of rim protection let's talk for a minute about it'll be easier for him to do that with Brooklyn this year yeah I I have to say the moment the trade went through I was like who's going to play defense on this team I picked up Jeff Green off the way for a while. <laughs> Jalen, I actually want to talk about that game last night because one of the things that stuck out to me was that in a way, the, I mean, however you want to frame this, it's either the the Nets are now the Bucks kryptonite or the Bucks are just the kind of team that the Nets are built to beat. You know, they don't have a they 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 play you know kind of like five out um you know set up they have a good you know a defensive center you know good um in in brook lopez um but not great you know they don't have like they don't have like what ad is going to be able to do you know um and and so they have this situation where I think that they, they just match up really well against them and some of those flaws that they have in terms of their, um, you know, their lack of depth um, and physicality at center aren't exposed. Um, and so when we got that message on our league thread last night where someone was like, oh, gosh, I shouldn't have slept on the nets. They look amazing. And now they're beating, you know, what was, you know, predicted the last couple of years to be the number one team in the East. And they're really kind of, you know, running 
running over them at certain points in the game and really looked like they they had all the the you know clutch moments going their way you know just on a sheer talent standpoint um but i look at it and i'm also like the bucks have had a lot to prove to me um, and I think to people around the league this year and that they haven't done it isn't all that surprising right. um, to see the Nets win against them, um, you know, at home. I know home court doesn't really matter all that much this year, but, you know, at home and also um, at kind of like um, it, you know, an exuberant high point after the trade um, sure. and, and uh you know, I, I'm just still not entirely bought into the idea that this shows us that they're ready to go out the nets, that is, that they're ready to go out and win in a seven game series against a strong physical team that can run, you know, eight to 10 deep. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I don't think necessarily that this one game proves that. And I think you're right to say uh, that this just might be a good matchup for them. And but I guess I would also say that most teams not named the Lakers or the Clippers or maybe Boston, you know, are probably going to be good matchups for them just because of their offensive firepower. So I think it's a little bit of both. Like, I do think that like the Lakers, in my opinion, are clearly still the favorites. Um, they have the highest ceiling to me. They have the best player in the league. Uh, they have the best combination of both offense and defense and, um, yeah, so I mean, I would say they're the favorites, but I mean, if I was picking someone to come out of the East, which I was kind of already picking the Nets anyways, sort of in a bold prediction or what I thought might be a bit of a bold prediction before we saw how good KD looked this season, I was kind of already picking the Nets. And so, yeah, I, I feel like that's a, that's a perfectly fine prediction, right? Like the 76ers are a really good team, but Ben Simmons offense doesn't seem to have taken a ton of steps forward. The Bucks have the questions that you just laid out um, and we all want to see them do it. The Celtics are really good and, and Jalen Brown is balling out um, and shooting ridiculously right now. But, you know, Kemba Walker has been dealing with knee issues. Gordon Hayward is gone. Marcus Smart's not shooting the ball real well right now. So, Probably yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. yeah, I think it's fair to question also, that and therefore feel like the Nets have as good a shot to come out of the East as anyone. I also think, you know, I would seed right now that the the Nets are the odds on favorites to get out of the East. I'm also concerned about how they match up against the Clippers, though, too. You've got, um, you know, got their two best. You know, we'll just do all three. Uh, their three best players um, match up pretty nicely alongside the three best wing defenders that you have on the Clippers, you know, with mm -hmm. Paul George, um, uh, Kawhi and Patrick Beverly, obviously. And I'm thinking like, you know, the Kyrie cooks Beverly. Yeah. I mean, I just think that he, he, you think, I, know, just I mean, be, I, I agree. I mean, I think point. Beverly will be annoying, but I think Kyrie destroys him. If Kyrie is the only one really being able to destroy, destroy out of that three, though, I mean, that might it be just breaks enough. down the offense. I mean, it breaks down the defense. So as yeah. soon as he does that, and then they're making adjustments. So um, I don't. And yeah, I would be terrified of Paul George and Kawhi as the two wing defenders there, and what that might do. Um, I, I only watched the fourth quarter of the Bucks Nets. It reminded me of playing basketball with my older brother when I was a kid. And in this scenario, the Nets are my older brother and the Bucks are me. And I was allowed to think I was still in the game 
for as long as possible before I was easily completely destroyed at the very end. And it's not, you know, it's not entirely a one for one fit, but it looked like the Nets were the far superior team and weren't worried at all about winning that game, even though it was a close game. It's just sort of like the Bucks' confidence has to be hurting after that. Kyrie wasn't in the game. Seeing that new makeup with the moves they made, nobody's picking the Bucks right now. The Bucks, their depth, they it's all one-way players after their top three. Or four if you include Dante DiVincenzo. But, you know, I mean, like, they just don't have any depth anymore. Yeah, Bryn Forbes. Uh, Bobby Portis, Bobby DJ. Bobby Portis, yeah, DJ Augustine. And the size, Forbes Pat and Connington? DJ Augustine. Don't forget so him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? So it's, um, I mean, it's sort of sad to look at the Bucks like that, that were so on the rise. And we were, you know, so many people were expecting that or hoping they might take that next step. Is there a next step? Does it happen? Or is this it? Is this the hype for the Bucks? Don't I mean, Giannis just have to Malcolm, get better. Don't they yeah. wish they could have Malcolm Brogdon back now? <laughs> Yeah, no doubt here. no doubt like spend that extra 10 million that would change some things um uh. yeah <laughs> okay the bucks are out um we don't need to talk about them the rest of the season uh if you guys don't want to um let's I think shift now uh, to fantasy. We haven't talked a lot about fantasy but let's use that oh, wait, wait. before we before yeah. we do one last thing from the trade because I don't feel like we talk about the Cavaliers enough. So one of the people, including the trader, went to the Cavs, if you, it was Torian Prince, who took Kevin Porter Jr.'s locker. I don't, did, did he take it? He was, sorry, he was given. He was Kevin assigned Porter. it, I he was assigned. Like, let's not put the action on poor Torian Prince here. <laughs> sorry, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a fiction writer. I write music. I, I, my, my word choices aren't always the best. But you're sorry. absolutely correct. I have some affection for Kevin Porter Jr. and some sympathy for him. So, yeah, anyway. Yeah. And so Kevin Porter Jr. now becomes the second Cav in recent years to get into trouble with the team for throwing food in the locker room. Right. I have a different take on this. I already wrote so Jalen and Jalen and Michael <laughs> about this. I so, you know, immediately after that story comes out, um, you know, I, I caught it on Twitter from Joe Varden the morning of, and you know, he, he basically said that somehow he was involved in it. Like um, somehow he was involved at the like outset. Varden was. Joe Varden that was involved in this. Yeah, somehow he was like in the mix of of the outburst that Kevin oh, Porter okay. Jr. had. Um, Got it. That, or at least that's the phrasing the, that he had on Twitter made made me think that. Yeah. Um, and I I read his article um, at the Athletic, um, you know, right after that, and I wrote to Michael and Jalen, and I was like, "You have this article clearly puts the blame on." Porter Jr. The 
all the Twitter discourse is putting the blame on Kevin Porter Jr. The you know the ESPN headline um, puts the blame on KPJ. You have all the comments basically being like, you know, we knew that he had these character issues coming into the draft. You know, um, it was only a matter of time before he blew it. Uh, all this kind of stuff. And my first response was, I just didn't understand what kind of support he was getting from the team that he wouldn't find out that his locker had been given to an incoming player until he walked into the locker room. It seems to me like it's a betrayal. And I I wonder what Kobe Altman um, and JB Bickerstaff are thinking that they let that happen when they already know, you know, the guy's been held out for the entire season. Now his court case was dropped. We have no news about what's going on there. And, you know, every once in a while, um, Kevin Porter Jr. will like tweet something out just to like, I don't know, like let the Twitter verse know that he's alive. And it's always so cryptic that you can't tell what's going on. And I just wonder if they did what right by him. And my, at least my, my initial take is that they didn't and that he needed support and they didn't give it to him. I'm with you because I, you know, I think on the very face of it, at the very least, it's a terrible work place management if we can call a locker room a workplace like, like that had to happen in some other context and the other thing and um, th- this was in our thread too so uh, you know I couldn't help but think about the league's mental health initiatives that they rolled out to great publicity a couple of years ago and everybody you know championed their moves to do this um you know i we don't have information on this this is pure conjecture on my part but i feel as if to some extent we're dealing with a mental health issue here and that's not being recognized and it wasn't cared for it wasn't taken care of people need to be aware of these things they've shown compassion to kevin love in his situation and yet Kevin Porter Jr. seems to be a chef shown a sort of tough love version here rather than than the more you know supportive version that would allowed that might have allowed Kevin Porter Jr. to come out of this in a positive way. It's really disappointing yeah. for me. I mean, that that's I, that's what's going on there. I just imagine that he walked in, he saw that he didn't have a locker anymore. He's like, I haven't played all season. He's like, you never. He's like, you Kyle, never you go to into play your me. office at the university, yeah. and there's a different nameplate, yeah. and you open the door, and none of your. I'm like you. I'm like you never like, had my well, back how are to you begin with. Respond yeah. like how? Like the, like what else could the response be? And. As I was saying, he's not the first Cav player to throw food in the locker room in recent history. <laughs> yep. Do you remember the type of soup, David? This was a key component. I don't I think know. we ever found out what type I of I thought soup. it was suggested somewhere, and I thought David, no? No. No, we never we never got to the bottom of alphabet the, soup? the soup tales uh, with J.R. Smith. The, what was the food thrown this time? Do we know? It, no one said, but, but, anyway, but, but I was going to say, but J.R. Smith was just fine. I think he was held out for one game, whereas now they're like, right. he threw food in the locker room. We can't he's have gone. that. We've got it. Right. He's gone. Yeah, no, it's uh, the, the there's a double standard. There's a um, yeah, I, I, it's hard to know what to make of all of this with so little actual information out there. Um, 
but it hasn't been handled well. Where it hasn't been handled well, it's unclear, but um, I'm assuming there are multiple parties involved. I mean, I think that part of it had, part of his not playing was just the, that they decided to move on before the season. It's why they drafted a Coro. They decided that they were going to prioritize a Coro, and then they had no real reason to give him minutes. And so, it does explain they, it all. And if so, if they, and so you know, if they had excuses, then they were just going to sit him. Yeah, but if they want to trade him now, and they've told everyone that he's never going to play for the team again. So, like, what's his trade value going to be? Yeah, nothing. I mean, the- I'm trying to pick him up in my dynasty league. If that's any consolation. Yeah, I was I'm just hoping a to... real team tries to as well. That's that's what I'm trying to say there. So Yeah, I was listening to some um five reason sports content the other day in advance of the Heat Pistons game and they were saying that I don't know, there was speculation because Miami has a history of taking on players who maybe have a checkered past or who have had trouble legal issues in the past and sort of getting them into their culture and um, getting them on the right path. So there is speculation that maybe Miami would be interested. I don't know. There's been no reports about this. Like there's been no source reporting about this, but to some extent that would make sense because I think there was, there was reporting that Miami liked him coming out of the draft. So yeah. yeah, His game seems like a fit there in a nice way. Um, I'd like to see it. So that would be nice. The other place I was thinking was Detroit. Dwayne yeah, Gaten the, the team who, who gave up the pick. He is. Yeah. Doing, like, they do it. Um, you know, Christian Wood was one of those. We're seeing it with some players this year. Josh Jackson in Detroit maybe comes along. Um, uh, well, Josh Jackson I, I, that could be a started nice to come along last too. year with Memphis. True. And he had shown flashes. Uh, yeah, he, he had definitely shown flashes there. And Christian Wood had shown flashes before going to Detroit as well. Um but yeah, there are a couple of places where it seems like that might be able to happen. I hope it does. Yeah, and we we were going to switch to fantasy. And I guess I just want to jump off on the fantasy tip because like, so we're in a 14 team league. The title, it's called Scorekeeper. Um, we've got three IL spots right now. Um, you know, it's a COVID season. So there's injuries everywhere. Everyone is a game time decision at all times. People are out because of actual physical injuries. People are out because of COVID. Um, so it's, it's a bit crazy right now, but nonetheless, like the greatest joy for me is still picking up random people (laughs) off the waiver wire that no one's out, um, or picking a breakout candidate before they happen. Um, so I've been experiencing the vagaries of streaming uh, recently, yeah. and I'm in a matchup with Smook, and he can tell you that I picked up Casey Apala because, you know, again, I was listening to some Five Reason Sports content. They were they were pretty high on him. Obviously, he's got a chance to start the game before last when they played the Pistons, and he yep. had four threes. He had 16 points. Um, he was looking good. I was watching his G League tape. I was like, okay, I'm ahead of the curve on this. Yeah. Um, he I might. I love those guys. You know, I'm like, he's going to start so this mad. game. <laughs> when, I, when I saw you'd picked him up, I was so mad. I was like, oh, Jalen got this guy. He's starting and he's streaming him. At, and I was just so angry with, at you about this. Before Jalen picked him up, we were texting and he was like, I'm, I'm sitting on a guy. I haven't done it yet. I was trying to guess at who it was and I couldn't figure it out. And then, and, and then he had picked him up. So, so um, I love that both Jaylen? of you guys were on it at the same time like that 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 close and that's how competitive our league is there are guys just being 
grabbed off the wire in our league it's so competitive that if other people are thinking about it you just have to make the move or it's gone but but there's more to this jalen what was his one yesterday and then he had a bagel just zeros all around just not even a turnover no he had he picked up two (laughs) fouls in the first quarter and then played maybe like two minutes the rest of the game and i was like well this is tough Um, didn't he have like a four trillion yeah four trillion yep the, the same thing happened to me with Okongwu, who got his first game, 15 minutes, decent stat line for 15 minutes. Depending on how things break with Collins there, could have some serious fantasy value in that sense, but also just a young big that a lot of people are enthusiastic about. I picked him up for his second game. He did not play. Yeah, and so, so Jalen and I <laughs> this week, like Jalen's team is very good with percentages. It's a, you know, it's an efficiency build, right? You know, and my team um, is just all about compiling stats. I've got Harden, I've got Doncic. You're a counter. I'm a yeah, I'm a counter. So I was like, so so even for this week, I even picked up some people, you know, because I've got so many people injured and you know that I was just like, okay, I'll just pick up some people who get me some stats. People like Lonnie Walker, and. Right now, I am winning a field goal percentage. My team's field goal percentage is 396. (laughs) My field goal percentage is 373. So, small sample size, one day. I mean, we've seen some serious anomalies. Part of the reason Danielle. crushed me last week um robert covington had a night where he went one for 13 from the field and Giannis had we were very close on free throw percentage until Giannis went one for 10 one night and then that category was over so that was part of my uh rough um but but jalen and david are there other things in your matchup that are key that you want to call out do you want to telegraph any moves to each other you counter moves uh yeah before, anything before at all. we go before we go there i just want to give danielle her props because it's now, a great she's put together a fantastic together a team. team i faced her the week before and it was a dog fight i barely beat her so i called you know, it out to you as you guys were beginning i was like oh she put together a good team this year well what you said was she's got to get rid of willie collie stein and ennis canner who both for, well, for the Couple before weeks their roles changed, before, before their both changed. of their roles changed. Exactly. So. so she's had a little bit of luck too, but she's she's not she's locking in. So yeah. So anyway, Jalen, what's your strategy for the week? What are you going to do to me? I mean, I'm just trying to rack up some steals. Honestly, this is very bad. Don't do this in your fantasy league. Don't tell people what you're going to do. We're doing this for you. This is for content. This is for the audience. So I got to figure out how to get some more steals. I'm losing in blocks now, but I kind of expect to win blocks. I obviously expect to still win a field goal percentage as, as Kyle was saying, small sample size, but I'm also just trying to get back on the streaming uh, on streaming and figure out like success. I picked up uh, Jay Sean Tate, like, I just think Jay Sean Tate is good at basketball and he doesn't totally fit my build because he's not a great free throw shooter, but he's just good at basketball. Harden's no longer in town. The game that, um, that John Wall and Eric Gordon were out, he had 10 assists. Like he's just a playmaking forward, undersized forward. He's a lefty. Um, yeah, I think he can do a little bit of everything. He had three blocks also in a recent game. So 
pick up people who are just good at basketball, you know, obviously sometimes that can get you in trouble where, you know, a guy like DeAnthony Melton is pretty good in limited minutes, but never seems to get enough minutes. So you have to balance it out with like how many minutes guys are playing, what stats they're giving you. But generally I just try to look for talent and dudes that are good at basketball when I'm like uh, making waiver wire pickups. When you're doing those pickups, one of the things that fascinates me is, 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 I don't quite know what to call this, so I'm going to call it the emotion involved in doing it. Like there, there's great anticipation, not that anticipation is emotion, but there can be a great joy in picking up players off the waiver wire. Uh, I've felt it with different players. I know all of you have. Can you explain that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be blunt, I guess in my case, I like proving that I'm smart. Um, and obviously you You've have to it over you, and over. Kelder you, Johnson was just <laughs> another instance of you proving it. I have no doubt about that fact. You don't have to keep doing it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it just feels good to say, hey, look, look at this smart thing I did. Yeah. But also, I think there is somehow like greater joy. Like, obviously, you still have to get your stars, right? You have to draft stars and hope that they stay healthy and there's a bit of luck there but like you know like in the case of Casey Akpala I would have been way happier if Casey Akpala had a great night than I would have if um I was thinking about picking up Alex Caruso but I like I know what Alex Caruso is like he would have been a much safer bet but I was just kind of like I kind of want to ride the Casey Akpala train you know I want to see what he's going to give me some of it's the unknown the the what could come expectations hope all of that and to me this is the whole reason why I got into fantasy uh, Michael was the one who recruited me for this, and 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 I was really loath to do it. And Michael said, "Well, I was like, you know, because I have my fandom, you know, and I grew up, you know, like I, I've been, I grew up a Lakers fan, you know, but like I, you know, Magic Johnson, but Michael Cooper, and then when I moved to Chicago, the Bulls, and the Bulls have been my team even through the Tim Floyd era and everything." It's like, you know, I, I don't like the, you know, the kind of fandom where you, you start to root against people. And Michael's like, no, David, what you're going to find is it's going to really deepen your fandom. And that's the thing with the waiver wire pickups. Yep. Is you get these people where you're just like, who is this person? You know, like last year I picked up Bruce Brown and yeah. he, he was made great. Me, and the other night when the, when um, the Nets were facing Orlando and Bruce Brown isn't on my team anymore, but toward the end of the game, um, K- KD Durant passed out to, to Brown in the corner and Brown hit, uh, hit an open three that, that iced the game. And nice. he, he was so happy. And I was just like, you I have so too. much love. <laughs> because I love Bruce Brown now because yeah. he was my guy. Now where I have an issue though is Michael also got me, well, with Chris, now I'm in two leagues. So this week, I'm facing James Harden in one league while he's on my team in another league. Yeah, that's a complicated place to be. Like, what do you do? (laughs) I was actually going to talk about that other league for a second here because there have been some fun developments there. The first was that, you know, Jaron Jackson got dropped (laughs) and I just thought that he was a perfect fit for my team. And so I I used my entire waiver budget of $100 to bid on him. I was just like, I don't need to make another move for the rest of the season. Now, granted it was warranted in a way because I was, I've won one week already. It could be the winning move. That could be the winning move if he plays and plays well. Well, but the context though, is that I I've already won one week, nine, zero. 
I'm projected to win this week 9-0 and am already up 9-0 um, after one day. And so I don't have players that I'm like, ooh, I, this one's a clear drop for me. And so I was like, if I can put somebody on my injure list and just sort of hold them there, um, yeah. then I think that that's, that could be really strong for me. And then, of course, a couple of days later, Nurkic goes down and it feels like the, the smartest move that I've made because right. now I can kind of recover some of those stats. Well, that Nurkic is coming back, no? He or will. Is he done? In, no, he'll be back in like eight weeks, I think they said. Okay. Still the fantasy season, man. He didn't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, but let me ask. You bid our budget, our free agent budget for uh, both scorekeeper and haberdasher. This other league a bunch of us play in is a hundred dollars. You spent all one hundred dollars on Jaron Jackson. You can't bid another dollar for another waiver wire pickup all season long. Yeah, I can still get Why? waiver wire but pickups, so, but, let me, but I would have to get I'm, them by I'm, waiver priority. Right. Yeah, you'll still be able to do that, of course. Um, but what I'm wondering is you bid a hundred. I put a big bid on it. How come nobody else did? I don't know. That's the part I didn't understand. I thought somebody, <laughs> I thought somebody would have bid their entire, you know, um, their, their entire budget. And, you know, I was one of the only people with a hundred dollars I thought. And so, yeah, um, yeah I had 99. And, and, and so and I knew also, you had me covered. Also you guys, I mean, Chris and I weren't going to bid because you guys were in our group chat saying that you were going to place those bids. Just talk, David. So, you can't trust that at all. Yeah. Actually, you know, the, the, <laughs> the funny part is um, I started Not off really. With, I'm just joking. Th this is this is actually pretty uncanny. I originally bid $55. Oh, this is crazy, this part. I originally bid $55 and Michael bid $55. Neither of us knew this. And the night before I was like, no, I just have to go all the way up to a hundred. I told them I was going to do it. Someone is going to like bid super high and I've got to, I just got to do it now. Well, and and, uh, I and had in. I not done yeah. it, I, Michael had waiver priority on me. So if we had tied, you would have gotten him. Well, and I, I did that because I saw serious value there. Um, I was hedging it, obviously, more than you. And for whatever reason, our text exchange just made me think, Kyle's going to go to 50 or low 50, something like that, or he's going all the way to 100, like he said in the thread. It's going to be sort of one or the other. I'm covering the first half. I'm going to let the other part go. I can't do anything about that. That's funny because that I can't was my... believe it came out like that. That though. was my exact thought. I was like, people think I'm going to do half of it, so I should do $5 more than half. <laughs> I'm building a house in your head, Kyle. I'm yeah. starting to think like you. So um, that I, 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 I have the framing up. I just want you to know that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's <laughs> wild. That's a fun one. So yeah, I'm still baffled that nobody else went for that. But it's a newer league, some newer players. They'll eventually see the value in those sorts of moves. And um, that'll just, you know, that'll start happening more as it does in Scorekeeper, where we see a lot more competition for certain uh, waiver wire bids. You know, we'll have up to five teams bidding on players at times, I think. Um, so that's, that's a development that'll happen there. Um, to pick up some other... Um, parts of the fantasy stuff um the big trades last week 
what are the implications? My initial read is that almost everybody involved in the trade and many of the players on the teams where the trades happened all get worse for fantasy in a lot of situations it's better for deandre jordan if you happen to be holding him um it's better for i'm not sure who else i think it's probably better for harden mainly because he wasn't trying uh his last but in, in games fantasy does his numbers do his numbers go up from where he well they did yes, yeah <laughs> of course they go up from what he was doing in houston this season yeah, but, but his assists will go down from normal. I think it's great. He for looks Jeff great. They're up right now, and aren't they? A, but Kyrie's out. Yeah, Kyrie's yeah, true, out. True, true, true. If you're in a really deep league like we are, I mean, there's a reason why I picked up Jeff Green. I think he's, you know, I think it's good for Oladipo. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that too, right? right. I, I think with Harden, now. maybe the hope is that uh, maybe he won't score as much, but maybe he can be more efficient uh, because he's getting right. better looks with uh, better teammates. And, you know, you know, Kyrie's not there, but, you know, maybe he can still uh, get those assists if he's primarily acting as the point guard and Kyrie is kind of more of a scoring first two guard, which is something I think he likes to do anyways. John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins could benefit. Right, right. Um, yeah, uh, Cousins just getting on the court more with with that star gone, um, like, there's just going to be a more balanced offense there than there has been. Um, if Eric Gordon and or PJ Tucker get traded and follow yeah. up deals, Jay Sean Tate, he's going off. Yeah. And I yeah, do think that's a right, right. What do you put the odds of them getting moved? I mean, I put it pretty high. Tucker, very high. He's, yeah. he, I, I think he has to be on the move. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if the Cousins was there's, moved. There's a lot of chatter point. about him going to the Wolves already. Like, we yeah, can see it within a week. Right. Gordon Ooh. is maybe less likely because he's somewhat expensive, I think. Yeah. I mean, and Tucker helps so many teams, not the Wolves. He can help almost <laughs> yeah. every playoff team. What do the Wolves get, need him for? I, I mean, I know, I, I know, Cat's been dealing with a lot his injury and now COVID, well, but the they've got a, a ton of guys to run out there. Right, but they don't have any fours. Yeah, they're fours. Jared have... Vanderbilt, you're looking for another waiver wire pickup. Yeah. Jared Vanderbilt. Stop stealing my thunder, Michael. Man, you're 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 in my lane here. Uh, God, <laughs> I, come on, didn't I have him first? I think I was the first guy to grab Vanderbilt in our league, and he gave me nothing, and I immediately dropped him the same day. I think he you had know who eight, else? eight and three oh. uh, last night. You know yeah, who? yeah. No, he has some really great lines, and I see a great future there. I'm just not sure it's this season. I had a random thought here. You know who else I think is going to benefit um, and who already is playing better? I really think Ben Simmons is going, you know, as a kind of like ancillary, you know, part of like, you know, effect of the trade. Yeah. Um, I think that he is like – I. His first like confidence game, factor kind of something thing? happened in the first game after where I thought that, you know, my, my, my initial reaction was, Oh, were you kind of holding back? So you didn't have so much value. So you wouldn't get, traded, <laughs> you know, kind of thing or, 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 but it was also, I can't remember if Embiid was out that game. Maybe he was, and maybe that was really what the, you know, sort of catalyst was to him, you know, um, playing so well, but um yeah, it, I do think that, you know, just not having that hang over the Sixers could be a benefit to them. You don't think um, Simmons feels um, like, like I've been seeing, seeing some some people speculating that Simmons 
might lose confidence from being shocked? The, uh, the re Derek Bodner, he did a pod right after the trade and the initial reaction was that, um, initial reporting I should say was that um, Maury went to Simmons before the talks and, and explained what was happening. Um, and that he was very, you know, open um, and, um, you know, throughout the process. And I think that it set a tone um, for the organization about it that um, had them when the deal didn't happen, um, uh, you know, not have any adverse effects or, you know, repercussions, but um, it's possible. I mean, like, people say this all the time though. I mean, but I think it's a reality of just being a professional in the league that you just know that there are going to be times when there's going to be a former MVP who's going to become available for your team to trade for. And, you know, you live with it. Uh, you live with it and you, uh, if it goes through, um, you accept the trade, you move, um, you, you make the best out of that situation. Uh, it doesn't happen, same. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough thing for any of those guys to deal with. Um, yeah. It, it really depends on temperament. I think on, on, on how you manage that sort of thing of being out in the public eye as somebody not worth enough, so to speak, for your team to insist on team insist on retaining you. Um, yeah. I, I hope it works out for them. Uh, they're, they're a fun team to watch and the, all the players they've lost to the COVID protocols um, have shown that there's some interesting other players on the Philadelphia 76ers too. So they, they, um, hopefully they keep it together. Ben Simmons makes that leap. We're all hoping he makes all of that. Another, um, another thing it yeah. could do is it really boosts the competence of Tyrese Maxey who apparently, you know, is yeah. the reporting sticking point. Um, yeah. You know, he's got to come out with a lot of confidence, you know, feeling that he's a part of the team's plans and probably that means I feel a part like of the he could be the Shake Milton that Shake Milton will never be. Shake Milton has been playing a lot better than what you give him credit for. I know. I know, but I don't I don't believe it. I just don't believe he's it. He's good. Yeah. Okay. Michael, I don't bet whatever, <laughs> but all our disagreements about point guards are making me think I should, uh, we should bet a case of Fanta or something. Well, we just, we, we had our big disagreement about Cole Anthony and then he went two for 12 last night. What do it's you have to right. say about that one? I'm taking Small the long sample view. size. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking the long view. I, I, I like the look of Cole Anthony. I know he's not shooting well, but he's, he, he looks like an NBA player when he's on the court. He's not scared. He's He plays tough defense. I'm with Jalen on this one. And I don't disagree with your evaluation. One of the things that keeps me from thinking he's truly going to develop is here's a guy who's a former NBA player's son. His whole life, he's uh, as we know from articles about him, he's had access to the best shooting coaches, shot fixers, all of this stuff. His time at UNC, he was working with a famous shot docker. Um, and, you know, he's at the point, you know, as a rookie in the NBA, where that's one of the first times people get all of that attention that he's already had for years and years because of the privilege he's lived with. 
I don't see him improving in the same way as I see somebody like Emmanuel quickly improving, for instance, even though people have questions about him. I don't see it in the same way I see it for Tyrese Maxey. I'm more than willing to bet any amount of money with either one of you that Cole Anthony doesn't get there and these other guys improve more than he does. But what's the there for Cole Anthony? It's like he, he works harder on defense than those guys. He's bigger and it's possible. I don't know if he works harder than Emmanuel quickly. He never stops moving. Like Emmanuel quickly on the court and his awareness like he's making mistakes, but infinitely more active, fast, physical than than Cole Anthony is. But I'm just—it's possible that Cole Anthony could be, could become a Marcus Smart. I mean, I love Marcus Smart. He's one of my favorite players in the game today. He cannot shoot. I mean, you know, shooting's one of the main things he needs to do. He's never done it well. He's never done it efficiently. I think it's a real question whether Cole Anthony ever shoots as well as his dad did, which was a different generation. It would be kind of sad if he didn't. I think my counterpoint would just be that I don't know if he I, – I don't really have as high a hopes as to say that he'll be Marcus Smart, but I think – I guess what I'm saying is I expect him to be (laughs) one of the better backup point guards in the league at the worst and maybe like a borderline fringe starter, which is pretty good for where he was picked. So and I think that's in his case. What was his pick? I think what was he? He was in the Was he lottery or no? I think he was lottery. Back end, I believe. I can't quite remember exactly. And I guess my other point would be Clay Thompson, also a son of a former NBA player, came in the league knocking down threes. He shot 41% his rookie year, but he only shot uh, 44% uh, that rookie year from the field in total. Um, and his field goal percentage went up. He shot 40, 47% from the field in 2015, 16 shot 48% in 2017, 18. So I just think that like even great shooters are going to get better. So I just think that, and especially finishing at the basket is going to be super important for a guy like Cole Anthony, because he likes to, he's quick. He likes to get by his man and get in the lane. So I do think that he'll just like, he'll have to improve, but I do think that it's reasonable to expect him to improve his finishing. I mean, can't you think of dozens of cases of guys who had the opportunity that Cole Anthony did put up lots of shots and never got better as a shooter. Think about it this way. Alfred Payton is like valuable in fantasy and is like a solid, like player in the real NBA Cole Anthony is probably if not as good I think he projects to be as good or better than Alfred Payton like Alfred Payton had a reputation as being a good defender and I bet Cole Anthony turns out to be a better defender I mean Alvin Payton Alfred Payton isn't even defending this year though and I mean he's never really defended he's never been the defensive playmaker that he had the reputation he got steals which I think is where that reputation came from Um, he wasn't a good defender but he was getting steals um and his floppy hair we get in people's way (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I love the hair. It was my favorite thing about him. I've seen flashes from him. It's one of the reasons I held him this year as long as I did. I was as patient as I possibly could before. I just couldn't stand to look at his stat lines anymore. I mean, I feel like this is pretty much the top for Alfred Payton. I feel like Cole Anthony will improve some, but I don't think he'll be the shooter he needs to be to be a good point guard. I think he'll be a functional point guard. I think he becomes a better version of I don't know, Cameron Payne in Phoenix or, you know, some other guy like that that's mostly a second unit guy or gets more minutes when when the starter's out like Cole. But Anthony Cameron is Payne right is now. like a 
Cameron Payne's one of the best backup point guards in the league right now, though. That's what I'm but saying. But also like, that's... never going to be a good starting point guard. He's a good point guard for the second unit. Yeah, that's fine. I think that's perfectly acceptable for Cole Anthony. If you do, but I don't think that's the place most people thought he was going to land. Like, like if that's where he's going, yeah, I'm more than willing to agree with that. That seems entirely reasonable for the skill set we're seeing and the lack of improvement we've seen from him so far this season. Yeah, I mean, he's not he's not Lamelo Ball or Tyrese Halliburton, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> I think you guys are basically saying the same thing, but you're saying it really mad at each other. Yeah, that's you're what right. we do. We no, do. You're I right. I, we, so we there practice are two... it on the podcast. We enact the Spider-Man theme. There are two par- <laughs> two ways that you differ, and I think that they are notable. I think that, Michael, you don't see much improvement because you think that he's reached his skill peak right now based on more know, or less the, he's more or less top right already. yes and and jalen thinks that he will have more age improvement i tend to think that age improvement is a stronger factor than you know than the the type of skill training that they have when they're in high school um in college uh so i tend to agree with him slightly there but you know only time will tell the the other part that i think I mean, that he, and you're the forgetting part, the part he worked with a shot doctor for years a very expensive very well-known shot doctor this is where we are age improvement could still be the determining factor for, for we years just, we just already don't know done it. it's for possible years of course it's but the possible. other part so that was that was me saying that i that i think that that jalen um you know i agree with jalen there but where i agree with michael um over jalen that i a part that i don't think that you two are expressing very clearly here right now is that you're talking about cole anthony as a fantasy basketball asset and if he's only ever going to be if his ceiling is going to be cameron Payne, then he's not a fantasy basketball asset He's a end of bench guy that can maybe get you some stats this year, but he's He's probably better at various points in the season, just being a streaming spot because he's just not worth holding. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I think that's a fair point. I'm holding Cameron Payne. Well, he fits your build, though, and, and you know, no, I, I know, I know. our just, fantasy teams have those placeholders. It's, um, it's, it's but just also, funny. Cameron Payne is already Cameron Payne, and we're waiting for Cole Anthony to become Cameron Payne. Yeah, but Cameron so Payne dropping just Cole Anthony. Cameron Payne. What are you talking about? It took him how long to become Cameron Payne? Ten years. That is definitely Ten not years. an argument in his favor. <laughs> No, but the point is that he's valuable as a fantasy <laughs> basketball player right now. In a How long game. did it take? The dude's a rookie. Cole Anthony is a rookie. Campaign oh. was in the G League for but multiple the Jaylen, years. Jalen, I'm just talking about why Smoke would want to hold campaign right now. But it's you're just, making my argument it's because for me. Campaign you're literally is right making now my argument campaign. for me. Cole Anthony isn't even yet campaign of this year, and so he probably doesn't need to be on your roster. But I didn't... Do you, do you listen to yourself? You're literally making my argument. Like... Michael is picking up guys and thinking about holding them for future value. So yes, maybe he doesn't need to be on your team, but also if you're expecting him to become campaign, I would expect him to become campaign faster than it took campaign to become campaign, which yeah, is exactly definitely. what you're saying. He's still so not campaign now. <laughs> it's the whole point. Oh my goodness. 
So Cole Anthony was a, so let's do, I'm just going to switch the direction of this. Cole Anthony was a guy I picked up because everybody was really high on him. And he had some great games for me on my fantasy team and for the Orlando Magic on their real team. It was, it was truly nice to see. And it turned really fast and it got, he had some terrible nights. Do you, do you think other people, like he's, I feel as if this is the effect of his father, are people overestimating him because his dad was an NBA player? No, he's a rookie. With a he's, rookie, you have to look for flashes. Exactly. And, and he was drafted 15th. So he was the first pick out of the lottery, beyond the lottery. I mean, and, you know, like Precious Achua, like he was, he'll, he'll be great one game and then he won't get off the bench the next game. Devin right. Vassell, like I, I yeah. almost picked up Devin Vassell yesterday because, you know, he's doing yeah. great but he might not get off the bench in a couple of games. I held on to Darius Garland all year last year in hopes that he would eventually come around. And he came around this year. Good right. thing I got him back, but you know, they're rookies. You yeah. know? And this is the last thing I'll say. We spent way too much time talking about Cole <laughs> Anthony, but the last thing I'll say is Kendrick Nunn. I tweeted this from our Shot Tower Twitter account, Shot Tower Pod. Kendrick Nunn is a no, no, yes player. Cole Anthony is a yes, yes, no player. Kendrick Nunn does stuff. He's dribbling. <laughs> he's going through a pick and roll. And you're like, what the hell? What the hell? What the hell? All of a sudden, he takes a mid-range jumper. It goes in. You're like, okay, whatever. I guess I guess that's what we're doing. Cole Anthony does stuff. And you're like, oh, wow, that looks nice. That looks nice. Oh, he missed a shot. So because of that, that's basically the, the totality of my analysis. The fact that he is a yes, <laughs> yes, no player, eventually that's going to become a yes, yes, yes. Actually, the, the like only thing that. is, I like is that. He, he, he does have better fantasy numbers, Cole Anthony does, than Cameron Payne right now. And so, okay. so, so the him not being Cameron Payne right now, um, as long as true? you don't need field goal percentage, you can go with Cole Anthony. If you do, Cameron Payne might be a better choice for your team. Don't, don't pick up Cameron Payne. Everyone, the advice we're giving you is not to pick up Cameron Payne. Well, what, what, what size Cameron leagues Payne are they in? If they're in a 14 or 16 team league, they better be picking him up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's been, he's been injured. That's, that's been the thing. I mean, there are far worse players held in our league, you know, so let's we're gonna we're dropping Cole Anthony, Cameron Payne. Nobody say their names for the rest of this pod or the next pod. That's Can we it. Talk for about now. political campaigns. No, not that either. We're not doing that. Now is quiz time. There are four players averaging over thirty-seven minutes a game this season. Two of them are on one team. Well, I know who those hint. people are. It's, it's RJ Barrett and um, Julius Randle. There you go. Okay, there's <laughs> two of them. There are two more different teams. Who are they and why is this happening? Oh, I don't know who the other two are. Well, Have they played in more than one game or more than a couple of games? They both play an awful lot. Uh, David, you should be familiar with the last two names here. Is it James yeah. Harden? James Harden. 37.1 along with RJ Barrett and Julius Randle, the person leading the league also on David's fantasy team. Well, you already said Julius Randle. 
Wow. Yeah. It's the I'm... bonus. The Indiana Pacers. They're oh, running really? the infant wow. offense through him. He has one of the highest pass rates. He's averaging more minutes than anybody else in the league. I see shadows of his dad's passing in the way the Pacers are running the offense here. I just thought that was interesting. And I thought, David, as a Chicago Bulls fan, you might want to say something about your old coach. Um. I will always have a soft spot in my heart for, and when he was in Chicago, he called, he was called Thibodeau. Now I believe he's going by Thibodeau. So I got to get with the program. He, Is it Tibbs or Thibs now then? If it, it's, it seems to be Thibs. So, <laughs> okay. so he, Chicago was in the wilderness. Um, we had, the team was so bad for so long and he came in and the thing is, He's one of those coaches, I think it was John Hollinger who was talking about coaches who um, low-hanging fruit versus high-hanging fruit. And he was one of the best low-hanging fruit coaches out there. And he took a team, you know, that had some players who needed some direction, needed to work hard, and he turned them into one of the most fun teams ever. Um, yeah. your, your previous guest who was a Bulls fan, I am exactly with him. For me, it was the year after the one that he was that that was his favorite Bulls season because I liked it once Jimmy Butler got like like when um you know when like even after yeah sorry but anyway the the you know and you get you had that period where Joaquin Noah who's one of my all-time favorite players Jimmy Butler who's my favorite player in the league now and he made them and now he's doing to, to New York exactly what he did to Chicago and I've got Julius Randle on my team right now and I'm right in the wave and I feel so good for Julius Randle and so badly for him because he's going to do exactly what he did to all those Bulls players. Um, Luol Deng, perfect example. He was yeah. brilliant and Derek Rose. just drove them into the ground. Well, Derek Rose, and it was, um, it was traumatic injuries. Right. But, but with Joaquin Noah and um, Luol Deng. He was playing Deng, a lot of minutes though. They, yeah. And they just drove them into the ground. I just, I. Are you surprised that this hasn't been corrected in New York, though? Like, is is it not completely baffling? This has been widely reported, called out repeatedly. But it's that, but it's that you know, it's 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 that short term versus long term game, you know. And everyone wants to win, right? And as teams win, and you get that high of look at what we're doing, you know. They're what six and seven right now. Something six or seven, six and eight, yeah, in um, in the sixth seed uh, in the East, surprisingly, and they look competitive against some good teams. Yeah, they're, and they're, they're seven and eight now. Seven and eight, okay. They smoked and, and this, you know, shorthanded Celtics team. Yeah, and it's fun for the players, you know, like yeah. all those players, they've you know, like they've they've been losing their whole careers, and now they're winning. And let me ask about the fun aspect there. Is it fun to play with Julius Randle, do you think? I'm not sure Julius Randle's having fun with Julius Randle out He's there. He's dishing out assists like crazy. It's got to be fun. He's become a playmaker this year. Like, I, I picked him up just because I, I needed a second center. I only had right. Sabonis. And I can't believe the assist numbers I'm getting from him. It's, it is. It's, it's definitely surprising. I still see him just putting up a lot of shots. Um, but you're absolutely right. I elided that part. He is getting assists this year in a way he never did last year. The ball went to Julius Randle. The ball went up. Uh, and he's not doing that uh, and when anymore. You, and when you watch them play, they are having fun together. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're, they're supporting each other. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're there for each other. It's, it's amazing. 
All right, I have one more question for all of you. Anybody can pick it up. Anybody give me your opinion on this. Are the Los Angeles Lakers afraid of the Brooklyn Nets? No, not at all. Not at all. Kyle? No. I don't think you could characterize their reaction to it as fear. I do think that they... um, they know that there will be game planning and they know that they will have their work cut out for them and they are not going to take the nets lightly, but um, no, I don't think that they are afraid. Yeah. The Lakers this year, uh, they look unfair right now, just with, with that size and that skill set. It just Did any of you watch the game last night? I watched the first half and yeah, it I was did. a little surprising to me that they ended up losing. Uh, J- Jalen has yeah, a little bit more to say about it. Then. Yeah, I, I was watching too. And um, Jalen, I texted, uh, you know, the Lakers are up. I moved away from the game and then came back to it in the fourth. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. The Lakers seemed to stop trying. I don't think that would happen in a you know playoff game. But the Lakers are just kind of wandering up and down the court. It was really weird to watch. It looked as if they didn't care if they won or lost. Yeah, I think it was a number of things. I think the Lakers definitely took their foot off the gas and they couldn't, you know, rev the engine back up again. But I also right. think that like uh, James Wiseman, for all his st- statistical success, is a detriment to the to the Warriors defense and their cohesiveness and just you know he doesn't know what he's doing a lot of time and once he got taken off the floor and you saw Draymond at the five and Looney at the five they just had a lot more competence out there to kind of deal with that and get a few stops you know they didn't get many but they got enough to win the game um you know obviously Steph was flexing all night yeah Oubre had a really great game (laughs) that was his best game of the season he was getting steals he had a couple nice drives knocked down some threes so you know it was like a combination of factors but it's just one game in the regular season I think of course I was just surprised to see the (laughs) the give up or whatever that was so yeah totally yeah so I have a question for you Michael, before we go, because okay. this came up in our text thread first between you and me, and then everyone else kind of jumped on this the, the next day. How can you possibly stand Brooklyn's gray on gray court? So I, I was actually thinking about this because everybody seems to hate it, which just is annoying to me. But um, the, the 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 reason. I think I fell in love with that court a couple of years ago. The court does not work with the lighting in the way that we see the games being filmed now. I think that's actually part of that. It creates a weird feel. When it was a full stadium and everything going on, the weird, wonderful DJ bits between the quarters, the halftime shows, all of that stuff, I kind of love the thing. And I love that it's different. I still love it, even though other people hate it. And I don't think I can give that up. It makes my brain hurt when I watch it because <laughs> like, like, like my eyes feel like they're just not processing correctly. As opposed to the Memphis, the dual, the dual wood tone court with the grizzly in the middle, that yeah. their, their alternate court. Like it's the like I love that so much because you just it's wood. You actually get two wood tones. And sure. Brooklyn, it's like. It's almost wood tones, but then it's gray. Yeah, it's not a wood tone. I think that's one of the things I like is that it's actually unnatural. I like that about it. 
I don't know. I, I can't explain that, but there's something about that that appeals to me. It's weird and I like it. I like weird stuff. I yeah, like I, different stuff. But I guess it's all unnatural and it's all painted. So I guess, you know, your point being that it's, it is what it, like it's showing what it is as opposed to hiding what it is. In a way, yeah, it's owning itself. Um, uh, but speaking of the Nets, what do you think of their jerseys this year? So they're doing, they're doing, the, they have the court that goes with their 90s New Jersey Nets uniforms, which are pretty Beautiful. funky. Uh, and they have a court that goes with it. You're good with that one? Oh, I love it. I love the, the, <laughs> the, the white ombre effect and, you know, the way, yeah. the way it's not quite blue, but you kind of got these clouds going. And sure, got that old unnatural ABA. sea that's the lane. Yeah, and then that ABA red, white, and blue thing happening on the court. It's exquisite. Yeah, it reminds me of ABA jerseys for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's one of the things I really liked about it. Uh, I didn't and, know that one was coming, but yeah. And Joe Harris, he got a haircut now, but when he had his long hair and he was wearing the headband and in those jerseys, I was like, wow, he, this he is fits why, in. in the this ABA, is why they could not ABA trade Jarrett Allen, though. This is why they couldn't <laughs> trade. Like, what? did they do to their whole vibe it's gone yeah. man like so yeah um and speaking of joe harris again i just want to call out the one guy who definitely got better at all of this joe harris yeah he's gonna he's get a lot of open, open looks, looks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep um all right uh david thank you again for being a, a guest here with us we love having you on the pod would you like a last word Thank you for having me. It's always fun to chat basketball with you guys. Thanks for being here. That is the Shot Tower pod for this week. We are turning off the phantom power. Cheers. Run it, 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 run it